Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ranking Thrones. I am James Kelly. And I'm Evan Kamal. And every week, Evan and I meet up to discuss the kings and queen who sat on the Iron Throne. Um, we go from Aegon the Conqueror all the way up to Joffrey. Are you coming in, Evan? Yes, I'm coming in. Okay. All right. And so, this week, we are... On the tail end, but not the end of the Targaryen dynasty, and we start with the most interesting era, all leading up prior to the downfall of the Targaryens, of the Blackfire era, with yes, yes. the II, okay. and the start of the Blackfire rebellions. And even though the Targaryens are still in power, arguably, as I just dubbed it, there might be another family who's ultimately more defining of this time period. But we'll get into that, and we'll get into a lot of things in this great episode. Last week we covered Aegon the Fourth, also known as Aegon the Unworthy. Mm-hmm. We both really, really didn't like him, and uh, a detail I neglected to mention, Evan, just to make you further be disgusted by this man, yeah, is that uh, his first mistress, he later had had sexual relations with his with her daughter who may or may not have been his Jeez. so yeah but we ultimately said though especially as as we'll come to find in the more and more episodes Aegon the Unworthy might have been the most influential king to sit on the Iron Throne after Aegon the Conqueror mm-hmm. not in the good way not at all in a good way no but Influential, impactful, maybe just as much as Aegon. All in the negative way, though, as we'll talk. So, he ultimately was a dragon. So let's see how his son, or Izzy, does. Okay. So, first off, though, uh, normally I ask, what can Evan tell me about, about Darren? But he can tell me a little bit about him. So instead, I want to ask the more interesting question, which is, just like we started with the Dance of the Dragons, I'm going to ask, Evan, who would you support? Darren or Damon? Oh. I'm just asking you. Like we're Darren. Yeah. Darren? Yeah. Why? Better man for the job. Not okay. By, not by much but the better man for the job. Me, personally? Yeah. This is going to be disappointing to some fans or or listeners, but I don't know. It's just... Aegon gave Daemon the sword. He said that he doubted Darren was his son, Mm. and he legitimized Daemon. What else would that mean except that Damon was the heir. I I would support Damon. <laughs> oh boy. I have an unlucky habit of probably picking the losing sides. We had joked about it, but when we talked uh, once, uh, we both hypothetically asked um, Evan and I uh, who would we have supported Caesar or Pompey in their civil war. And we both said Pompey. It was like, yeah. We choose boy, but we'll get into it um, with, uh, but that's a fun, just a side thing. 
Let, let's get into uh, let's get into ranking thrones. So, but also, is Damon mentioned in Game of Thrones or Darren? I don't. Do it. I don't recall if he is. I don't. No, he's not. Um, despite the impact of the Blackfire rebellions, Darren is not mentioned. Hmm. Nor the Blackfire rebels. So, does he have a nickname? Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. To his friends and allies, he was known as Darren the Good. To his oh. enemies, he would be forever known as Darren the Falseborn. But friend and foe alike, he was best known as the Red Dragon. Nice. To contrast his, his brother and greatest enemy, the Black Dragon. Mm-hmm. About the sources... So, what are we using for our history for this quasi-history podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, we have the first story of the of the prequel slash spinoff series, "The Tales of the Duncan Egg." The Hedgenite takes place during the reign of Darren II. The shadow of Darren's reign and the first Blackfire Rebellion weigh heavily on the other two novellas of Duncan Egg, with a lot of talk about the first Blackfire Rebellion in in the second book. A, a, the Sworn Sword. Mm. In fact, um, some people analyzing the texts believe that's the Sworn Sword. The second Duncan Egg book was when Martin first came up with the idea of the Blackfires and the Blackfire Rebellions. Mm. But our main source is the the World of Ice and Fire. Okay. Oh. Let's begin. The life of King Darren, second of his name. <laughs> Darren was born the son of Queen Neris. His father was very likely King Aegon IV, but rumors that were spread by his jealous father suggested that Aemon the Dragon Knight was truly Darren's father. Given that Neris was a pious girl and Aemon was said to have been very devoted to his oath, this is widely dismissed by the historians. The people, they loved a good story, and it made a really great story. Yes. Still, the rumors would forever stain Darren's claim and help to foster doubts on Darren's legitimacy. Darren would often quarrel with his father, disparaging of his corruption and licentiousness. He was much closer to his mother and his uncle Aemon, the Dragon Knight. One of the reasons why Aegon consistently attempted to have more children is possibly because he hoped to have a legitimate son to replace Darren as his heir. But as all of Aegon's other children, save for his sister, Daenerys, died, he focused most of his affection and interest in his bastard son, Daemon. It is impossible to talk about Darren's reign without talking about his half-brother, Daemon Blackfire, who would come to be Darren's greatest enemy tragic. Born Damon Waters, he was the son of Aegon IV and Dana the Defiant. Some said it was fitting that Dana named her son after the rogue prince who brought much discord to the realm. Damon Targaryen, from the Dance of the Dragons era. Yep. As we covered in the Baylor episode, Damon's birth set quite a scandal in the royal court. <laughs> when Damon was knighted by King Aegon IV, he chose to take a new name, Blackfire, after Targaryen ancestral sword bequeathed to him, Damon would henceforth be the head of House Blackfire. Damon and Darren were perfect opposites of one another. 
Damon was in amazing shape while Darren had a slightly prominent belly. Damon was credited as a warrior and mostly kept knights as company. In contrast, Darren kept maesters and women in his company. For a warlike people like of the Westerosi, Darren was borderline effeminate, while Damon was an indisputable warrior. As we have covered before, Aegon IV knighted his son Damon at the age of 12, one of the youngest knights in the history of Westeros. Aegon IV bequeathed the Targaryen's ancestral sword, Blackfire, a sword that was given by the king to his heir for every Targaryen king. This, and Aegon's choice to legitimize his bastards, led many to wonder if Aegon truly wanted Damon to be his heir. But, when Aegon IV passed, Darren was crowned Darren II. To destroy any doubts of his legitimacy, he chose to wear his father's crown. Nice. Darren immediately purged the court and later the city watch of of the corrupt ministers that Aegon the Unworthy had appointed. Even so, Darren refused to ignore his father's will and ensured that all of his half-siblings would receive the bequests promised to them and gave them lands. Darren was generous to Damon and bequeathed lands near Blackwater Bay. However, Damon had reasons to feel discontented with Darren, as the king refused to let Damon marry the woman he loved. King Darren wanted to unite the realm and have Dorne join, not through the sword, but through kind words and diplomacy. He sent envoys, and soon conditions were made that would astonish the rest of the realm. Earlier in his life, Baylor the Blessed arranged for Darren to marry Princess Marion Martell to maintain peace between Dorne and the realm. Now in the spirit of Baylor's peace, but also completing the young dragon's goal of completing the conquest, Darren II would use the good faith from his marriage to speak with Prince Merin about Dorne joining the Seven Kingdoms. Okay. After, se- after two years of negotiations, Dorne would submit to the realm. But the Prince of Dorne was permitted to maintain his title and the Dornish tradition of firstborn inheritance, regardless of gender, was maintained. Furthermore, unlike the remainder of the realm, the Dornish were free to collect their taxes with minimal oversight from the Red Keep. Fair enough. The lords bristled at this decision. Many, particularly the Reach, were incensed that there would be peace with Dorne after countless raids and wars with the Dornish. Others were grossly offended at the absurd privileges granted to the Dornish that were not shared with the rest of Westeros. These decisions sowed seeds of discontent and made many contemplate if Darren was truly the rightful heir to the throne. To help solidify the alliance, Darren had his sister Daenerys Targaryen marry Prince Meryn Martell. This was a heavy, heavily political marriage that Daenerys may not have wanted to partake in, as she was purportedly in love with Damon Blackfire, who deeply reciprocated these feelings. Oh, great. Still, Darren's will was maintained, and the message of personal sacrifice for the good of all was a lesson that the later Prince of Dorne, Doran Martell, would co- often contemplate. Damon Blackfire would marry Lady Rohan of Tiroche. Writers of Rohan, anyone? Mm-hmm. Martin's a big fan of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And Damon had seven sons and two daughters. This marriage had had already been arranged by Aegon the Unworthy, as he had hoped to gain a Taroshi alliance and a potential new attack on Dorne. Darren paid for Damon's dowry and had Damon mar- 
and had Damon marry Lady Rohan. Singers and Barristan the Bold later said that Damon went to war with Darren over being denied Princess Daenerys' hand. More pragmatic supporters of, of the Black Dragon say that Aegon the Unworthy had promised that Damon could marry more than one woman as Aegon the Conqueror and Megor the Cruel had. Right. If Damon ha- wanted to rebel for love, he waited over eight years after the marriage before rebelling. Yeah, I don't think so. As for Daenerys, she was a dutiful wife to Prince Meryn, and whatever Blackfire sympathies she may have had were kept in private. Hmm. Meanwhile... Darren II and Queen Marion would have four sons, Baylor, Ares, Rhaegal, and Makar. Baylor and Makar, unlike their father, were great warriors, with Baylor earning the nickname Baylor Breakspear for his talent at jousting. Nice. Baylor Breakspear notably defeated his uncle, Damon Blackfire, in a joust. Baylor Breakspear notably lacked the traditional Targaryen silver blonde hair, instead having common brown hair. But like all Targaryens, he had a typical had the typical purple eyes of the Targaryens nice. and of all Valyrians. Baylor's appearance, along with Darren's considerate behavior to the Dornish, made many begin to mutter discontent. Darren II and Marin Martell, after the solidifying of the Dornish Union, had a gold wreath built and brought it before the statue of Baylor the Blessed. Darren declared, "Baylor, your work is done." Darren also had a second castle in the Reach, close to Dorne, built. This castle was dubbed Summerhall. Okay. As former Dornish enemies suddenly became allies and flooded the courts, the grudges and discontent with the king grew, and more people began to turn to Damon Blackfire. Nice. At first, Damon simply humored visiting lords to air their grievances and praise him. But slowly as the years progressed, he listened to his half-brother, Sir Agor Rivers, called Bittersteel, and his former master of arms, Sir Glendon Ball, called Fireball. (laughs) Bittersteel was possibly jealous that his family, the Brackens, continued to be diminished following the scandal with Bethany Bracken and Sir Torrance Toyne. See the Aegon the Unworthy episode for that. He also envied the rival family, the Blackwoods, and his rival bastard brother, Bloodraven, held a place in court and had won the heart and had won the heart of his of their half sister, the bastard Shira Seastar. Bittersteel was also ambitious. What? I'm listening. I'm listening. Bittersteel was also ambitious, as Damon had betrothed his daughter to Bittersteel. Okay. Fireball was also enraged at Damon at Darren, as Aegon the Unworthy had promised that Fireball would be allowed to join the King's Guard. But when a position was finally open. Darren gave the white cloak to another. Huh. Eventually, the plan to declare Damon king was revealed to Darren. This information was possibly given to the king by the bastard Bloodraven, who used his ability to disguise himself. Cool. Men were sent to arrest Damon and preemptively end the war, but the attempt failed when Fireball killed Damon's would be captor. Hmm. The preemptive arrest was used by the Blackfire rebels to, as evidence of the injustice of Darren. War was declared with Damon Blackfire proclaimed by a host of lords as Damon of of the House Blackfire, first of his name, rightful king of Westeros. Darren II was, ironically, declared a bastard, a false king, and a usurper. Hmm. 
The bastard declares the other one a bastard. Exactly. But that's really important. That is really important. Uh, Is if you're not a legitimate king, if you have no claim to the throne, then what are you doing on that throne? Exactly. Yeah. Is it a matter of enough to fight for it, or are you just going to get kicked off? Exactly. Numerous lords flooded to Damon's cause, and the realm was torn in two. Some supporters of Damon's were jealous lords, others opportunists, but some genuinely believed Damon's claim legitimate and that he was the better man. Some lords were more cautious as they sent equal forces to the red and black dragon, including Darren's weak hand, Lord Butterwell, who sent one of his sons to Damon and another to Darren. That sounds like something Tywin Lannister would do. Tywin Lannister? Sounds like something Tywin Lannister would do. Well, maybe. Almost. Well, that's a little bit as... Well, I can say it right now. Like, Lord Butterwell was uh, accused of being a coward. Yeah. He was suspected of dithering away in decision-making, which drove Darren to replace him with another hand... Another as Hand of the King. Mm-hmm. After a year of civil war at the Battle of Redgrass Fields, Damon would heroically fight Sir Gwain Corbray of the King's Guard. The two clashed on horseback with Valyrian swords for an hour. When Sir Gwain was wounded by Damon, Damon felt it dishonorable for the man to be left on the field. As he tried to have his body dragged away from the battlefield, the king or the pretender, depending on who you ask, was exposed, and Bloodraven exploited Damon's honor and had his archers kill Damon, first kill Damon's son, Aegon. As Damon rushed to save his son, the arrows slayed the so-called King Damon I. His other son, Aemon, tried to take up Blackfire, but was immediately slain by arrows. Jesus. The Blackfire forces scattered and became unorganized, with Prince Makar holding firm ground, preventing their escape, and Baylor Breakspear's cavalry clearing the way. Bittersteel took Blackfire and fought Bloodraven in a legendary fight that cost Bloodraven an eye, but in the end, Bittersteel fled. Hmm. Many of the Blackfire supporters surrendered, but others fled to the east. Among them were Damon's surviving children and his second-in-command, Bittersteel. Hmm. Darren Targaryen, having resolved the rebellion, surprised many by being far harsher than one might have expected. He had many lords' lands diminished and had their children brought as hostages to ensure that their continued loyalty. Hmm. Some lords were even demoted of their lordships. Still, many lived and were allowed to keep their lands when death or the black was another option. Right. Some would later argue that Darren was too harsh as the rebels would forever foster resentment others that darren was too lenient as he let the rebels live to plan and plot again it's a tight rope i know tight rope even though darren was victorious and the blackfire rebels dubbed traitors redgrass fields would still be visited by blackfire sympathizers who laid flowers for their slain king after the blackfire rebellion peace reigned in the realm Darren II continued to rule with his son, Baylor Breakspear, ably serving as Hand of the King. Everyone agreed that Baylor would be a great king, with his son saying he would be as great as Aegon the Dragon. Baylor was a brilliant warrior, but also wise, calm, understanding, and forgiving. 
<laughs> simple clothes to the more lavish garments of lords. But tragically, Baylor Breakspear died fighting on behalf of a hedge knight in a trial by seven. Most uh, whispers that Prince Makar had given the killing blow. No. After the tragedy, Baylor's son Valar was made Darren's heir. heir. However, in 209 AC, a great pl plague would swept the realm that killed thousands. It was the greatest plague that ever would befall Westeros. The spring sickness was so widespread and so awful that it was common to say someone died in the spring for meaning they were a victim of the spring sickness. Mm. The spring sickness consumed Baylor Breakspear's two sons before Darren the Good himself died from the plague. Mm. And that is the story of Darren the Second. So, long story, interesting character, right? and a very interesting, just a, a captivating time, a divided time, right. a divided realm. The true, the true kind of beginning and the end. Yes. Yes, very much so. Very much so. But before we begin the ranking part, just for fun, who is he based on? King um, Darren is thematically inspired by King William III, the British king who came to power following the Glorious Revolution where King James II was ousted in a bloodless rebellion. James II and his descendants would attempt to regain power several times and be dubbed the Jacobites. Yep. Looking at the Stuart, the Stuart era. Yeah, it was the end of the Stuart era with the ousting of James II. Yep, ushered in, ushered in the legendary uh, Cromwell. Oh, no, no, no. That was uh, during the Stuart era. That was uh, James I. Sorry. Sorry. I'm mixing, up, I'm mixing up my dates. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It's a very... Slight, slight history note. That era, from the Tudors to the Georgians, is really, really confusing. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Well, we're not experts on British history, so don't come saying that, that we've... Like, if we messed up, yeah, we messed up because we're not experts. Uh, we're more Roman experts than... Uh, yeah. Well, real experts will take us to task for that as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So, let's get to the ranking part, though. Let's get into the discussion. So, in the category of the king, he reigned for 25 years, so 25 points just for that. A real solid amount of time. Absolutely. Doing pretty good for himself. He managed to do what Aegon the Conqueror and the Young Dragon could not, could not do. He was able to make Dorne join the realm. After over a century of wars with Dorne, Dorne willingly joined the realm with no blood spilled. Yay. That's so amazing. No blood spilled. I know. After two centuries yeah. of warfare, yuck. Yeah. Darren the the first was able to so briefly hold on to Dorne, but then like he immediately lost it. This Darren was able to keep it. Yeah. He cleansed the Red Keep in King's Landing of the corruption created by his father. Good. Big points for that. His decisions were all for the good for the long term of Westeros. Yes. His supporters adored him to the point that he was dubbed Darren the Good. 
he was able to crush a rebellion. What the Blackfire rebels had done, he was surprisingly benevolent in his punishments. When other kings may have had mass executions in addition to hostages, Darren was more creative and had the rebel lords diminished in addition to surrendering a hostage. One fan argued that in a per-year argument Mm -hmm. that he was as great a a king as Jaehaerys the Conciliator, if not greater. Yeah. So, all this in mind, what do we think? He's kind of a he's kind of a tough he's kind of a tough decision only because he did a lot of stuff that was good for the for the realm, but I do think again it's harsh in hindsight. I think him being lenient was a mistake. Well, we can get into that for madness and misrule for for talking about mistakes. Then, and the fact that people seem to genuinely agree with him and, and genuinely follow his order. I'll give him an 8 out of 10. For me, I really admire how he was able to really just right the ship of his father's mistakes. Yes, and relatively quickly. Like, I'm giving, I'm giving him some credit for that, too. And he really did... Bringing the Dorn to the realm also mm-hmm. is super That's impressive. A- and, and the way he did it. Yeah. And that even in the rebellion... He did everything, everything for da- Damon. Mm-hmm. Like Damon is a very romantic figure. He can be. Yeah. But uh, honestly, like Damon, like kind of had nothing to complain about, really. No, he just was denied. He just wasn't king. He and he was never supposed to be. Right. And. and uh, Unless we got Fire and Blood Volume 2 telling us otherwise, like, I, I don't even think Aegon really ever outright said that he was going to be. Well, and we've learned this from history, is that great warriors don't, and I mean, look at semi well, but I mean, look at Robert look at Robert Baratheon. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Well, okay, well, I, I want to pull the quote then. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, it kind of summar- summarizes a, a, a great well, just to paraphrase it, but a quote from uh, one of the Duncan Egg books mm-hmm. is that just some fool is a, a mystery knight, says, and his name is Ossifer Plum, officially. He, he says to this effect that, oh, the realm would rather have a, a, a king that looks good riding on a horse and, and be brave rather than be actually good. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, um, I am going to give him, I am tempted to give him the full 10, personally. What stops me from doing that is, is that he, is that he still, like, through his decisions, even though he did everything he could to do otherwise, a rebellion did happen. And, and that does limit it a little bit, so uh, I will give him a nine. Giving it lows because the fact that a rebellion did happen, and I'm, I, I got to give him a little bit of credit because there's not too much he could have done to stop it without well, a lot of bloodshed. Without some bloodshed. Honestly, okay. So go, going a little bit into it, like uh, if, if we really want to get into specifics, mm-hmm. give it 
letting Damon marry Daenerys would have been disastrous because that would have really been like the clearest signal of like, of like, well, now he's really, really, now like, he's like super legitimized. Yeah, he's just been legitimized by marrying into the royal family officially. Well, yeah, and like now it's like, well, he already was legitimized in the eyes of the law. Right. And now he's married to the king's daughter. It's like, and well, he did the work well, for him. Well, then at that point, it's like, well, I think, yeah, I think definitely. If the king wanted his daughter to marry Mary Damon and he legitimized him, that's like, I think that's just like, he had to not let Daenerys marry Damon. That would have been disastrous. So, you're get say, say, say eight out of ten? Yeah, I'm saying eight out of ten. I'm saying 9 out of 10, so he gets 17. Mm-hmm. So that puts him really high on the on the list for this cat for that category. He's definitely a good one. Yeah, he definitely was a magnificent king. <laughs> I don't know if he w- or would have earned the name the great, but he definitely earned the the good. Yes, the good, I don't think the great. Well, well, we'll get into the, the that that might get into a little bit in the final verdict, but we'll see. First off, though, in the category the warrior, so despite his not being a warrior himself, he was able to appoint excellent generals that crushed his warrior half brother Damon. Right. That is more than anything. We we gave points to Rhaenyra for for being a good uh, delegator. Yeah, and picking the right people. I think he definitely deserves right points for being a good administrator in that regard. He was able to defeat his brother and both his sons in one battle. Well, his sons were young. His sons were young. Sons? Damon's sons were young. But I mean, talk about killing three birds with one stone, though. Yeah. So. I'm I'm giving him some credit for that. I'm definitely I'm definitely giving giving him a lot of credit for that because again, he knew he wasn't a fighter, but the fact that he chose generals that were seemed to be very good at their job, yeah, there's there's strength in knowing what you're not good at. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And letting someone who's way better at it do it for you. Absolutely. And the fact that those generals didn't rebel, great. <laughs> Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Well, I mean, this is a medieval society, so you need a good claim. Right. And, like, all the other bastards, all the other uh, great bastards legitimized by Aegon the Fourth, none of them, like, I mean, it, it's so clear that that sword, like, as a, a later character will say, like, all it was was just a hunt. Was just a sword was given to 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 one person, which would cause so much war and bloodshed. Yeah. But like that sword was really, really symbolic and really, really important to a lot of people. Well, it's kind of like the it's kind of like the Excalibur. Yeah, exactly. So uh, in the category of the warrior, I will I can't give him full points because it he wasn't the one really commanding. 
But I will give him seven because he 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 picked definitely the right people to to win the war. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the same. I'll I'll edge it up a little bit. I'll give him a seven point five. Okay. All right. I give points for being a, I give points for being a general. So I, I give a lot of points for being a general. So fourteen point five. All right, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Higher than his father. Mm-hmm. It's higher than a lot of scores lately, actually. So now we get into the the juicy scandal debate part of madness and misrule. Not a ton here, but there's a Not lot of debate. Kind of a biggie. Kind of a big. It's let's address let's address the elephant in the room. A rebellion did happen. Yes, yeah. he put down but so many more kept happening because he was lenient yes yes that's big that is very big so my my official note was on that is that blood raven and others argued that letting the blackfire rebels live was dangerous yes especially as darren chose to diminish several lords mm-hmm. which meant that they would come to kind of be angry at his clemency. Yeah. It's it's humiliating. It's humiliating. In the end, many of the Blackfire rebels would revolt against would would revolt again despite Darren's clemency. Exactly. Exactly. They would not rebel against him. No, but they would rebel again. They would rebel again. So that should tell you something. And uh, we talked about it already, but I'll just... I, I put it in the notes. Having Daenerys Targaryen marry Prince Meryn Martell created even more of a rift between Darren and Daemon. Right. And the other one I said, although for the good of the realm, his terms for Dorne, more than anything else, fostered resentment and made many contemplate turning on Darren. I mean... So it's just like one of those decisions. It's... Um, the big one, uh, a podcast I listened to once, compared it to, it's um, it's Jon Snow choosing to let the wildlings come in. Yeah, it's completely the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And even though people can see the sense into it, yeah, can't have people just get over their prejudices and just suddenly turn it off overnight. And so, like, there was a true hatred of Dorne. And not only to have the Dorn come in with open arms, to have them in the court, yeah, and to have them be be called prince when all the other ones were, all the other lords of the lands were still were called lords now. Mm-hmm. It's just like that. That I think more than anything is just like what really triggered the rebellion. It was yeah. just like a slow fuse of just like it's like, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe this. These people have been our enemies. Like, why are we pretending that they're our friends now? Like, what is going on here? Well, just, I, I said, it certainly wasn't going to happen instantly. It wasn't going to happen instantly, but yes. At, at the same time, in his defense, though, I mean, the, yeah. The fact that it happened, good. The fact that it had some very unforeseen consequences and... Sorry, not unforeseen consequences. It had some very grave consequences, and it would take generations for things to sort of simmer out. 
is a rough sign. And that's not his fault. That's just something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the that the rebellion still happened again. I mean, they didn't capture Damon's sons. Right. And even if they had lived, it would have been they would have been hostages, and it would have been awkward. Yes. What to do with them for the rest of their lives? It's just like well, that the mess is 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 a little bit. It's definitely Darren inherited a problem, like Aegon the Fourth created the problem, and Darren just like did what he could, but he but the problem would continue. It's, it's an unfixable problem. It was a, it was a, it was an unfixable problem at the moment. And again, you can't blame him too much for that because again, he's he's dealing with a crisis that he that you just can't work around. So, and truth be told, he was didn't seem mad. He didn't seem mad either. It's a Gordian knot. It was impossible. It was like he's gonna. There's no way of, of... short short of a political genius. You're stuck. And he was a political genius, and it's still just like... Actually, I think I should rephrase that. Short of very... Uh, short of luck? Yeah. It's luck. And it's like, well, it's either going to work or it doesn't. And it didn't. Mm-hmm. So... And because he wasn't really mad... I mean, I'm going to give him... He's going to be pretty low. I'm going to give him maybe a three... Maybe a three out of ten. I was thinking four. You're maybe you're maybe a little harsher about that than I am, which is weird because you. Yeah, you know, you know, I was thinking four, just because like of the, and this is out of ten, mind you. So it's I'm, I'm pretty lenient too. Yeah. Well, again, like, he uh, like I said, he was not a bad king. He was not an idiot. He just inherited a situation that no one could have could have fixed you know I, I i think everything he did really you know i'm gonna go down i'm all, i'm gonna give him a three like mm-hmm. you, you've talked me into it yeah it, congratulations <laughs> it's that he, he you know it, it really was like just that it was a really impossible situation for what you do with the black fires exactly with the rebels now that they're they're around mm-hmm. and honestly his terms probably would have worked if the spring sickness hadn't happened Yes. If the spring sickness hadn't happened, if he was still around, there might have been another Blackfire Rebellion, but it just wouldn't have had the support. Well, and the other thing, too, is for him is that I think because if he, if he had been around longer, they wouldn't have tried to rise up against him. Because they knew that if, he, if they failed again, then there's going to be a shitload of bloodshed. Well, I don't know. That doesn't seem like him. But yeah, maybe, maybe he might have been more stringent, but I don't know. True, true. It's difficult. It's it, it's a well, debate. Something something that should be noted was that again in in medieval and Roman, um, in medieval and in the Roman era, generally speaking, nobles generally were not executed. They were most of the time they were exiled. Yeah. They were stripped of their. They were stripped of everything and just sent into exile. So, death for a lot of people was a bit extreme. Mm-hmm. It's true. I can see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So well, that's why, got... and to derivate it back to our friend Caesar here, yes, Caesar did want his enemies taken. However, he generally he he generally did not execute. And that's nope. actually no, that's a good that's a kind of a kind of a parallel here. Is, and I know it bit him in the butt, but Damon probably re- Darren probably realized that look. If you're going to be nasty towards your enemies, you just have to be smart about it. Yeah. And yes, some people were killed, but a lot of people also died in battle. So that kind of proved a bit of a convenience for him. I use convenience in the loosest possible sense of the word. But if he just lowers his lords, demotes them, then it's like, okay, hey, at least I'm letting you live. I'm letting you guys live. Absolutely. Oh, no, no, no. He had to punish them. Oh, yeah. You had to be punished, but I'm letting you live. Yeah. I'm, gen- I'm letting you guys live because you are not bad men. Yeah. Well, not evil men. Right. You're not my friends, but you're not. But you don't have to be my enemy either. Yeah, that, that's part of like, well, what's really clever and why Martin is a great writer. Mm-hmm. Is that, honestly, like, for the Blackfire Rebellions... Like, a little bit less than the, I'd say more than the Dance of the Dragons, is that the Blackfire Rebellions, it's kind of really neutral. It's it's like, mm-hmm. yes, there, there, there are gray in there, but yeah. like no one throughout, as we go through this, like, the Blackfire Rebels don't strike me as evil. No. They, no. They, they're not evil. They're, they're just, they like, yes, some of them are opportunistic. Oh, of course, and you're going to get that on both. You're going to get that on both sides. In every war, there's always going to be the opportunists, but and jealous, but not evil. Mm-hmm. evil. All right, so next in the lighter category, mm-hmm. the portrait. So sending okay. it to Evan right now, and you can go and find it. This is from Amok, mm-hmm. our common artist for all the portraits of the king. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Let's take a look. Uh, hold it. Getting this bloody thing to load. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sadly, like, uh, the World of Ice and Fire doesn't have a portrait of him. It's it's kind of like just the image mm-hmm. of him lay, laying the... It down on uh, the with uh, Marin Martel lay, laying down the golden wreath on the statue of Baylor. He's not bad. He's a little, little effeminate. And like the big belly, I can see it. Yeah. He's not his father, but he, yep, yeah, it's there. No. And he's definitely not the worst. Mm hmm. The face is some is a face I would respect. It's a wise man. Yes, he's a. Like I said, he. I think he earns the style of a good king. Yes. I would give him a three and a half out of five. I think I'm gonna agree with you on that. Three and a half out of five. All right. So seven. Pretty good score. Pretty good score. Let's tally it up and see where he ranks. So, 25 for Time as King, 17 for the King. He was very good at the job, Uh unlike his father. Yes. 
For the warrior, he got 14.5. He was a great... He chose the right people. Delegator chose the right men for the job. Madness MS Rule, he he only got six. He did a pretty good job considering the mess he inherited. And the mistakes were kind... And most of everything was not really his fault. Exactly. Or, or such an inescapable situation that... Nothing short of the gods or luck would have saved him. Yeah. And for portrait, seven. So, the total is 69.5. So, not in the top. Not at the bottom. Much higher than than the last... uh, Than the last... Ooh, all the way up to... He is... From... He is higher than Aegon Third. Actually, okay, now that I'm looking at it, the only one that beats him in total score right now mm-hmm. is uh, we we have just received our new third placement. Oh, nice. So he is behind Jaehaerys and Aegon the, the Conqueror. Not bad, kid. And he has taken over Aegon the, Aegon the Third's place. Ooh. So congratulations. Yes. That is very good, very good. I was underselling it. Not bad at all. Not bad. But, the final verdict, the real question, is he, though, a dragon or a dud? Is he someone worth remembering and celebrating, or is he just a footnote? This one's actually a bit of a tough one, because he's one of those guys, in my opinion, that he's almost right in the middle, in a bizarre way. I can see that. I say, yes, he is a dragon, because definitely, one, he won the rebellion. Exactly. Uh, and and not only that, having Dorn join the realm. Yeah. Those are two things that are just humongous impact in the history of Westeros. Absolutely. And so those things he, make him a dragon. He was, he was, he's a dragon. He's not a, mm. a, a fantastic dragon. But he is a dragon. Actually, All right, well... He's not a bold dragon. No. No, he's not Aegon, the Conqueror. But but that's good. So we, we, we say dragon. Good. All right. Unanimous. Nice. And so congratulations. And the streak continues for dragons. And and so congratulations, Darren the Second. Not only are you now third place as of right now, you are also a dragon. Mm-hmm. And so with that, and uh, just to comment on the streak we have going for us, Baylor, Viserys the second, Aegon the fourth, and Darren the second, all dragons. Nicely done. Can Ares the first is uh, our next week who we'll talk about. Can he keep the streak up? Will he measure up to his father's legacy? Fi- find out next week and see where we stand on, on Ares. See you then. <laughs>